So hi, I'm Michael. I'm a small business owner. I do improv. I do some acting. Uh, but most of all, I'm a TV host and your host right now for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It's a Dweeb's global production and they give free resume help, mental health assistance, you name it, they give it. Uh, they have mentors from around the world, over 500 of them, and it's completely free. So please go to dweebsglobal.org. And I swear it's confidential and it is free. So I'm here today with Shaney Daughtry. Shaney has overcome addiction, mental abuse, anxiety, depression, low self-worth, digestive issues, pretty much everything that I've had, <laughs> and so much more. And she's helping others overcome theirs as well. And that, that's what she's pretty much dedicated her life to at this point. So thank you for being here with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I can connect with quite a few of those. I, uh, I had digestive issues just last night. <laughs> I thought about calling oh, okay. and be like, hey, I didn't sleep because of my digestive. I'm like, she'll understand. <laughs> I do understand. I understand that completely. Yeah. Um, have you always, have you always had depression and anxiety? Was this something you were born with or something that kind of came along as? No, no, that's the crazy thing that it all developed after my, um, mentally abusive relationship. Right. Well, that's where we differ. Mine definitely came. I can't blame anyone but myself on mine. This is naturally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Genetically. It's, uh, that is. It's, de it's definitely genetic. I think, I think there's some of us, there's definitely a big parts to genetics. How old were you when, when you got into this, I guess, relationship that really took you down a wrong path? Um, I met him when I was 22, 22, 23, somewhere in that range. It was great at first, you know, I mean, of course it's like, you know, I've always been very, I don't want to say shy, but just passive and easygoing. And, you know, I like to like sit back and, and see like what the situation is before I dive in. Right. I'm kind of that kind of person. And he was the complete opposite, you know, very like outgoing and funny and just like that guy you wanted to be around. So of course we were naturally attracted to each other because, you know, he made me want to do more active things. And then I kind of calmed him down when he got a little out of control. So it was great at first and, you know, we liked the same things and, you know, we had a lot of fun together. Mm -hmm. um, How was he your age as well? Or was he a lot older? He's five years older. Okay. Yeah. 22. It makes a difference. Less of a difference. It does. Older, but yes. Yeah, it does. I'm sure you didn't even know what was going on at the time, but looking back on it, what was the first signs of it being abusive or unhealthy for you? Um, I think it was because I was so passive and, you know, I liked to drink. So it kind of turned itself into a codependent relationship where I needed him and, you know, we liked getting drunk together and, you know, we liked, you know, testing other things. And, um, it really just ended up being a really codependent relationship. And looking back on it now, I remember like one specific moment we had gotten into an argument about something and he punched a frame that was on the wall. So of course, glass shattered everywhere. He had glass like all in his knuckles. There was glass all over the floor. And I just remember like walking up to him, like, you know, I don't care about myself. Let me just take care of you, you know? And looking back on that now, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was such a codependent 
thing for me to do was to not care about myself at all and just like run into this like glass filled room you know and try to take care of him when he was like mad at me you know so kind of like okay you're mad at me let me show you how much I love you with you know the selfless action so you can you know like a kid yeah like a kid it was almost like a reward for him I'm sure it was you know Look yeah. at the attention I'm getting from her <laughs> from this, you know, subconsciously, I'm sure it is a bit like that. So, yeah. And I didn't obviously coming out of it and learning from my, you know, experience has really opened my eyes. And I just like get flashes of stuff that had happened. And I'm like, that is so crazy. Like, why did I even let that happen? You know, like that is so out of my n- normal character mm-hmm. when I'm not, you know, attached to a person and, it just, yeah, it's, it's just crazy when you're in a relationship, you don't see how bad it is because you're in the middle of it and that chaos becomes normal and you're scared of what it could be out of that normal, you know, like your normal is crazy. Right. Right. But it's hard to think about what your life would be without it. No, I get you. I think that's why a lot of us get stuck. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I feel like I was in, I was definitely in relationships in my twenties that were not healthy in many ways, you know, that I feel bad about things that I said or did. I I don't think they got as abusive as what you're talking about at all. I don't think I'm abusive, but I think we're both sides and you know, you feel trapped and you feel like that's your world and the things that you end up doing together to each other just are crazy. When you look back on it, you're like, Holy cow. Like we were, you know, we're, we're in reality that we weren't trapped in a world. We were still part of the whole big world, but you forget what else is out there. Yeah, exactly. When do you think you really started uh, getting the anxiety and depression because of it? Um, that happened after my daughter. I ended up getting really bad postpartum depression. Okay. And so that had- kind of spiked everything else. Okay. So you guys had a child together? Yes. Yes. Okay. We have a child and she's fabulous. Um, but after she was born... I developed really bad postpartum and that kind of led into the anxiety. Also, after I had our daughter, she was my world. Then she was my everything and it took attention away from him. And that's when I kind of noticed that the narcissism personality coming out because he wasn't my sole attention anymore. And then I kind of noticed like other things he was doing, um, you know, to kind of get my attention maybe, or just be spiteful and gaslighting, you know, like that kind of stuff, because I wasn't giving him my full attention. And that's when his addiction kind of got worse as well. The biggest thing that stands out as a, a great example of the trajectory, I guess, was it was gosh three or four days after I gave birth. So of course my world is completely upside down. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a first time mom, you know, I'm away from my mom and it was just, it was really hard. And I I was dealing with postpartum. So it was a really, really hard time for me trying to figure all this out, breastfeeding all the things. And he comes up to me late one night, I was breastfeeding. Um, and he, like comes into the room and it's just like, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, okay, like what's up? 
And he's like, I've been addicted to pain pills for, you know, quite some time now. And I'm like, what? Like, I literally just had a child and now you're telling me this problem. Right. Like you waited until now to tell me this problem, you know? So it's just that kind of stuff that like, wait, the attention isn't on me. Let me turn around and get the attention on me again. Right, right, right. So that's like, that's a huge example of, and then ever so, and then I was just like, I didn't know what to do at that point. You know, I'm like, I'm so lost and confused myself. And now I have to get you into rehab or something. Like, what do you mean? You know? Right. And you needed him, your child needed him. You, you, you needed to be a team at that point. Not <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not separated. Not me now stressing about you and your addiction. It, you know, I needed, I needed you and he wasn't there. Right. Um, and you know, he'd always throw in my face, like, well, I, you never changed a diaper the first two weeks of her life. And I'm like, that doesn't make you a good dad. Like, thank you for, you know, not allowing me to change a diaper thinking that you were going to be some heroic father because you didn't let me change a diaper. But at the same time, like I needed you emotionally, you know, and I didn't get that. Right. And I'm sure all you can picture is while he was changing that diaper, he was probably thinking in his head, I'm doing my part. She can't blame me for anything now. I'm, you know, showing how I have her covered. And that's not. <laughs> right. That's not what I needed. <laughs> that was one little part of what he was supposed to be doing as a dad and a, and a husband. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So it's just that kind of stuff that, um, you know, it really, once I was completely out of the relationship, looking back at it, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, that was the narcissistic personality of like, wait, I'm not number one. I need to be number one. What can I do and say to get number one? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Was there more, he, so he had an addiction to pain pills. Was there more of an addiction? I guess you guys drank a lot together and there was I'm sure with that came a lot more arguments and a lot more controlling. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he had always had um, a problem. And I knew that when I met him that he was addicted to um, Xanax before. And, you know, coming into the relationship, you know, he had told me, you know, I was like, well, he's being open and honest about it. You know, he's saying it's not a problem anymore. I didn't see any issues, you know, going into it. Love is also blind. So I could have missed a lot of things. Um, so he had always had a problem and yes, we did like to drink. So that then became a problem and the pain pills, you know, he ended up hurting his back. So of course the pain pills, um, became his thing and then it was doctor shopping and then it was you know I know all about it my brother had a major pain pill addiction and he would do whatever he could to get his his medicine and yeah I remember going doctor shopping with him in New York even and I was in shock on how the whole the whole mm -hmm. system worked and um yeah he, it was a lot of lying it was a lot of controlling and it was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, don't care about anything I just need my my pills yeah. Right. And so fixated on getting his fix that everything else didn't matter. And he would lie and cheat and do whatever he needed to do to get that. And unfortunately, you know, people got hurt. <clears throat> his daughter doesn't have a father now because, you know, he was so fixated on, on the one thing that nothing else mattered. Yeah. Is he, is he just out of her life? <clears throat> yes. Out of it completely. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. At the end of our relationship, 
you know, I basically told him like, you know, I, I had gotten him into a rehab facility and, you know, I told him if you wanted to keep us as a family, you know, I needed you to get clean and I needed you to do what you had to do right to get better. And of course you can't force someone, you know, to go to rehab and get better. Right. So he left and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Like I have literally done everything that I think I can possibly do to show you that I, you know, want the real you back. And, and he left and I was like, the control it has over them is my, my brother eventually passed away. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, I know the control that it has. We put him in that rehab, you know, we tried everything you could. And at some point you can't, you can't. Yeah. I mean, you have to let go. And that's the hardest thing is like, for me, I saw so much potential in him and, you know, I did see glimpses of the real him without the drugs and just seeing that and then seeing the destructive path that he was going down, it, it was so hard to watch. It was so hard. And, you know, for me being in the codependent relationship that I was, you know, it was, I need to prove my love to you. I need to prove that I want to be with you and that I want you in my life. So let me do these drugs with you to prove to you, you know, and then we'll get clean together. And that's what he kept promising me like, Oh, just one more time, one more time. It's so much fun. And then we'll get clean together. You know, in hindsight, I didn't even want to do the drugs in the first place. I was doing it because of my, you know, codependent relationship, my depression, um, you know, my low self-worth, low confidence, you know, I couldn't stand up for myself and say no. So I got trapped in this world with him and it, I mean, it took a lot for me to wake up and it took my daughter basically to, to hit me over the frying pan, (laughs) be like, you know, I just like looked at her one day and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is not my life. This is not what I want, you know? And, and ever since that day, I mean, it was actually five years ago yesterday that I had that wake up moment. And, uh, and ever since then, I'm just like, no, like I can't, I can't be like that anymore. Like I need to live for myself and I need to live for my daughter and she needs a better life than what we've been giving her. So how long were you guys together for? Um, we were, I think together 10 years, married seven. Okay. Yeah. Married. I mean, by the time the, the divorce was finalized, it was eight years, but, um, right. but it was pretty much over by seven. Other than your daughter, what do you think gave you the strength or made you really realize you need to get the hell out of there? Yeah, my family, my huge support system that I still had um, really helped me. And because of the addiction, we had he had lost his job. You know, we um, lost the house we were living in. So we had to move and my parents took us in. Oh, wow. And if it wasn't for them opening their house to us, I don't know where I would be at this point. So I owe everything to my parents and their support and love. And just being in the house that I grew up in, being around my friends again, you know, um, in my hometown, it really kind of showed me what I should have been doing, right? What I meant to be doing. and who I was before I even met him. So yeah, it was because of my family support. Um, 
I was really able to, to pull out of it. You know, when I did have that final like aha moment, then I was able to open up to my mom and be like, look, this is what's happening. Of course, she was not surprised. You know, I mean, we're living there. I'm like, you know, 30 pounds underweight. She's like, yeah, I knew. I was just waiting for you to tell me, you know, and I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> your mom was smart. If she had tried to cut in too much too early, it might not have, you know, it would have. Yeah. I mean, we would have left and right. that would have ended that relationship. So, you know, I'm thankful that it all worked out the way it did. And I was able, you know, to tell them what was going on and they were able to back me up when I had to talk to him about like, Hey, right. I'm sober. I'm not doing that anymore. I would love you to get sober. We would all love you to get sober. Like we're willing to help you get into rehab Mm -hmm. and uh, just having that conversation with my parents, like by my side, it made it a lot easier, but it didn't end the emotional and, you know, verbal trauma that, that was still happening in the house and, um, and things. So what was, uh, I'm sorry, what was he, what was he still doing in the house when you were with living with your parents? He, I mean, he was still, you know, the, um, the pain pills because they are expensive as I'm sure, you know, because of your brother, I mean, he was spending like a thousand dollars every three days. Wow. Yeah. Um, which I found a random checkbook and I was just like, like, what is this? You know, (laughs) kind of eye opening. (laughs) And because obviously of the cost you know, that's why people go into the heroin because it's the same high, um, but a lot cheaper. Right. So his addiction ended up going more into the, the heroin and meth. So the speedballs, I guess. Okay. And so by the time we moved in with my parents, everything just for him started sliding worse and worse as I kept getting stronger and stronger. His addiction kept getting worse and worse. And he ended up basically being on the streets, but still living at home. So he'd be like gone all day, all night, and then would like come home at, you know, I don't know, like 10, 11 at night, take a shower. And then he would like go off again. Hmm. And I was like, I can't keep doing like, what are you doing? I'm not going to keep allowing you to come just take a shower. Right. You know, and then he would like blame me for, you know, like the way my parents were treating him or, you know, how people were, um, you know, people are sneaking around me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you're the one who's like crawling in in the dark of night, you know, taking a shower and then leaving. He became extremely paranoid and would create these realities that weren't real reality. It was his reality, right? He thought it was 100% true, but in the real world reality, it wasn't true. So in his reality, I was lying and cheating. And um, at one point he thought I worked for the CIA and he thought I was um, a coder. I don't even, I'm, I'm like, I don't, to this day, I'm like, I don't even know what coding is. You were a hacker. You were a- Right, I was a hacker. I was from, for the CIA. Right. And that was like, and he believed it. And every time I said, I have no idea what coding is. I do not work for the CIA. Like, would I be here living at my parents' house if I worked for the CIA? Probably not. And, but every, so every time I then defended myself because I was not 
this person that he thought I was, it would cause an argument because I wasn't giving into his reality. And it, it was bad. And he would like search the internet for like, I mean, hours, like eight hours, just like dive into the internet and the dark web and all these things. And then would like come across a blog and would make it related to me. Well, you, you, you wrote this blog. It's about this person who, you know, he thought I was having an affair on. And I was like, I don't even know. I've never written a blog in my life, let alone, why would I write a blog about an affair that didn't even happen? Right. You're, you're kind of laying the groundwork for how conspiracies work right now, by the way. Right. So, yes. like... <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. And every time, of course I defended myself, he thought I was lying. So then that just caused a bigger argument and a, you know, a bigger issue between us. And it got to the point where I just, I just agreed. I'm like, yeah, that was me. Yep. I did it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And then that would stop the argument. And then he would go about his merry way. And I'm like, Oh my God. But in my heart, I'm like, I can't lie. Like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to be a liar. So it was hard. It was a big struggle for me internally to like, no, I need to lie. So he doesn't get upset with me. And that then doesn't turn into a vicious cycle. But then internally, I'm like, I'm not a liar. I want to tell the truth. But if I tell the truth, it's going to cause an argument. I mean, it was crazy. How'd you finally get him out of the house? I guess, did he just stop coming home or... Yeah, I think it just kind of slowly fizzled out. I, I started um, standing up for myself more. He would like, you know, talk at me about stuff that wasn't true. And I would just sit there like and just take it instead of fighting back, instead of trying to defend myself. I just eventually I always said, like, I just kind of grew a backbone mm-hmm. that day. That was like my aha moment, I guess I grew a backbone and was like, no, I'm going to stand up for myself. Like, I know who I am. I know what I need to do from this point on. So every time he would come at me with these like random ludicrous things, I would just sit there and I'd just let him like talk at me. And then I'd just be like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to bed. And then he was like, you don't even care. You just go in bed. I'm like, okay. and then he would leave. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. You know, at least he left. And so it just kind of like, after a couple of weeks of that, he, yeah, I wouldn't come home, didn't come home. And then, um, one day, I mean, I basically just told my mom, like, I'm going to tell him not to come back. And she's like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So I drove to like, you know, the park that he was hanging out at. And um, I just told him and I was like, look, you know, if you want this family, like you need to go to rehab, you know what you have to do to help yourself. And, you know, you're not allowed back at the house anymore. And I just drove away. And he came running after I could see him in the rearview mirror, like running behind me. And I'm like, I, I can't like, no, like I can't. So a month later, oh, and I had put myself back in school. So I was going to school, like getting my life together. Nice. Yes. So, um, and a month later he pops up at the house and like nothing had changed, like crying and just so emotional. And I was, of course, stone cold, you know, what, what are you doing here? You know, like super defensive, just like, don't touch me. Don't touch my daughter. Like, you know, I got you out of here. Like, what do you want? And he was just so emotional, just crying the whole time. He didn't want anything to do with Elise. 
on my daughter. And, um, you know, I put her on the iPad and I was like, go watch a show, you know, like mommy and daddy have something to talk about. And he was crying about how I wasn't using my cosmetology license and just like all this stuff that was not relatable to what the point was, you know? And I was like, why are you here? You know? And he's like, you know, um, I honestly don't even remember what he said. I must've blocked that out of my memory, but I was just like, just remember him being super emotional, crying about stuff that didn't even matter. You know, I'm putting myself through school to get a better job than, you know, like, cause yeah, I was a cosmetologist and that was fun for a while, but I moved on, right. I'm ready to do something else. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting myself through school and, um, it was just so bizarre and he was just going on about nothing. And I was just sitting there at the table, just like staring at him. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now, you know? And then he was getting mad at me that I wasn't like emotional and crying and like happy to see him. And I was all, you still haven't done the one thing that I've asked you to do to get this family back together. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what you have to do and there's nothing else that I can do to help you until that happens. Yeah. And I made him leave. And I was like, look, like he didn't want anything to do with my, you know, our daughter. He didn't want to see her, talk to her, nothing. It was just crying at me about something that didn't even matter. Um, and it was just, it was very bizarre. And I made him leave and I immediately called an attorney and got a restraining order. I don't know what he wanted out of that conversation. And it, it was clear that he was still on drugs. And I wasn't going to allow myself to, to dip down to his level again, because I had, you know, already taken the steps to get myself healthy and better and in therapy and all the things that I had to do. So, you know, and he wasn't doing what he had to do. So I got the restraining order. Right. So are you ever afraid he's going to still come by at some point or? It's always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, cause I don't know where he is. I haven't heard from him in four plus years oh wow yeah is there any advice we can give people who maybe know someone who's in a type of relationship like this like what they can do how they can help show them the light like or yeah i mean i wish i had the like magic tool you know but coming from a place of i've been in that situation and i've had friends try to help me out and and I, I couldn't take it. And if you see someone in that position, I mean, honestly, you just kind of have to wait until they wake up. And that's what happened to me was, you know, my best friend in the whole world basically waited for me to come out of it. And, you know, talking to her now, she was like, I didn't know what the heck was going on, Shaney, but I didn't want to make it worse by interjecting myself into the relationship. Um, you know, she kind of trusted that I would pull out of it. And luckily I, I was able to pull out of it. Um, and I know that's not the case for everybody, but yeah, I mean, just show your love and support without trying to intervene too much. I mean, that's, uh, that was my situation anyway, you know, and I know obviously like we weren't physical. He never hit me. It was all mental abuse and verbal abuse. Right. So I think if there was more physical, I would have left sooner. 
but I don't, I don't know though. When right. I would have hoped to think that I would have, but exactly who knows in the situation, but definitely find support, mm-hmm. whether that be friends, family, a, a group, you know, a codependency group, um, an Al-Anon group, just something you need support. You need other people around you. Even if you go to the support group and you don't say anything, just sitting there feeling other people's energies and positive energies around you will help you kind of realize the situation that you're in. Got you. What are you, what are you doing now uh, to help others? I'm a coach now. So I help other people um, really find themselves, find a better future, find self-love and really pursue their passions. Like, like I have been and just helping people kind of from that place of really lost and confused and not sure where to go, you know, after trauma or, you know, maybe it is digestive issues. I help with that too, because my digestive issues happened after all of my trauma, um, because of the trauma, I developed digestive issues. So I help people through that as well with real food, meditation, mindfulness, um, all the things. Okay. Yeah. And that all is such tremendous help. Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then sharing my story, obviously, you know, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm giving some people inspiration and encouragement to, to get out too, if they find themselves in that kind of situation. I'm sure you are. Thank you for being so open and honest. And um... it's it's my story, you know, and I can't be ashamed of it. I can't hide it. You know, it's mine. Right. So if I can share it and help other people, then I'm more than happy to do that. Well, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, Where can people find you? Um, They can find me on Instagram and it's just my name. It's at Shaney underscore Daughtry. Okay. For people who don't know that spell, that's C-H-E-N-E-Y and then Daughtry, D-A-U-G-H-T-R-Y. That's right. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. As hard as it was, I really, it was, it was lethargic and I connected with it on a lot of levels. So yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank you for opening up, you know, and and having this topic on your, on your show. Whenever I can talk about my brother, as hard as it is, there's something lethargic about, there's something that getting it off. I mean, yeah. And I think connecting with people who have been through it too, just makes you feel less alone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So thank you. Again, this has been a Dweebs Global Production. You can go there for free resume help, free mental health assistance, and so much more. It's completely free. Dweebsglobal.org. Mm-hmm.